Hello, my name is Josh. I'm Jamie. And welcome to your conversation with two geeks, the podcast where we talk about movies, comics, and everything in between. Today we have a special guest. We have Christy Strauss with us. Uh, say hi, Christy. Hello. Uh, she is the editor in chief of the website Film Inquiry. Christy will be joining us as we talk about everything from the new Red Band trailer for James Gunn's The Suicide Squad to the newest episode of The Falcon and Winter Soldier and much more. And also feel free to follow us on all our social media pages. We're on Twitter at Combo with Two Geeks. And we're on Facebook and Instagram at Conversation with Two Geeks. And also, if you feel like emailing us about anything in this episode or previous episodes, we're at Conversation with Two Geeks at gmail.com. And we will leave a link to this in the show notes. So, again, welcome aboard, Christy. Yeah, thanks for inviting me. You're welcome. You're welcome. How's everyone doing this week? Good. Awesome. All right. Yeah, let's uh, jump into the first topic of the day, which is the trailer for James Dunn's Suicide Squad. Or The Suicide Squad, as it's properly titled. Uh, written and directed by James Gunn and starring Idris Elba, Margot Robbie, John Cena, Joe Kinnaman, Jai Courtney, Peter Capaldi, David Deschminian. I- I'm just going to pronounce it like that. Uh, Michael Rooker, because of course it wouldn't be a James Gunn movie without him. Alice mm-hmm. Raga, Daniel Melikor, Pete Davidson, Nathan Fillion, of course. Um, Taika Waititi, Sean Gunn, because of course. <laughs> Bula Borg, Storm Reid with Sylvester Stallone and Viola Davis. The film synopsis reads, Welcome to Hell, a.k.a. Belle Reeve, the prison with the highest mortality r- rate in the U.S. of A., where the worst supervillains are kept and will, they will do anything to get out, even join the super secret, super shady, Task Force X. Today's do or die assignment, assemble a a collection of cons, including Bloodsport, played by Elba, Peacemaker, played by Cena, Captain Boomerang, Ratcatcher Chief, played by Malakor, Savin, played by Rooker, King Shark, voiced by Salone, Blackguard, played by Pete Davidson, Javelin, played by Borg, and everyone's favorite psycho, Harley Quinn. Then armed them heavily and dropped them literally on the remote enemy of Fuse island of Corte Maltese, trucking through a jungle teamed with militant adversaries and guerrilla forces at every turn. The squad is on a search and destroy mission with only Colonel Rick Flagg on the ground to make them behave, and Amanda Waller's government techies in their ears tracking their every move. And as always, one wrong move and they're dead, whether it's at the hands of their opponents, a teammate, or Waller herself. If anyone's laying down bets, the smart money is against them, all of them. The Suicide Squad is set to be released on August 6, 2021. What do we all think of this trailer? <laughs> it, it was really good. I enjoyed it a lot. Um, I King Shark was a lot more... Like I knew he was gonna be more brutal than what I'm used to, but it was it was interesting. I think the dynamic is gonna be uh, a lot of fun between the characters because you get a little bit of it in the trailer, and it's gonna it's gonna be chaotic and it's gonna be a lot of fun. As soon as I, I saw the words um, from the beautiful from the horrible beautiful mind of James Gunn, I was like, we're we're in business. Yeah. yeah, that's a great description. Yeah. <laughs> the horribly beautiful mind. But yeah, I, I thought it was a lot of fun too. I'm excited about it. I'm a big Gun, James Gunn fan. I mean, I'm expecting it to be as hilarious as everything else. And, you know, I want a good Suicide Squad movie. So yeah, I, I think we all do. Um, th- we deserve it. Yeah. There's a bit of irony with this movie, especially given that with the last, with the 2016 abomination that that is that film. Um, but I... There's a bit of irony in this because they were trying to make it so much like Guardians, and then ultimately the guy who ended up doing Guardians is doing this, and it's just, it's yeah. just hilarious. And also, like, I feel like this is probably going to be more towards Gunn's older works. Like, I'm at I, for those that have not that only have been really introduced to um, Gunn's work via Guardians. I actually would recommend y'all check out Slither and Super, his first two movies, because they're kind of a uh, wild and like 
this I feel like is gonna be more in the tones of that than I think Guardians, but it's still gonna be just a lot of fun and stuff. And I probably have seen this trailer like half a dozen times. Yeah, I love Slither. Slither is amazing. I've seen that movie more times than I can count. Just always, <laughs> uh, always makes me laugh. It's definitely very weird, but that's gone. So there I was a there agree. was a there was a Mr. Pib reference. Yes, there is. It's awesome. So uh, this is a, this is kind of a joke in Slither, but in Slither, there's a reference. Um, the mayor likes to always have Mr. Pib, and like it's like there's a Mr. Pib reference in it. And during the trailer, um, we see Nathan Fillion kind of walking, and he's like, and he's drinking like a Mr. Pib. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Oh yeah, no, I'm cast is stacked. There's so yeah. many, so many people. Yeah, no, I mean, I just, and, and just trying to get all of them down. Like I had to like, when I was doing the show notes, I just centered them just to like, okay, these are the main ones mm-hmm. that, that I can gather. There's probably several I've missed. Yeah. And, just, and even those took you like a minute, two minutes to go through. <laughs> I thought you were going to be out of breath by the end of that because there was so many names that you just went through, but it's a very stat cast. Yeah, no, I, I will be seeing this in IMAX. Right now in California, the theaters have reopened. I'll talk about my trains a little bit about that later, but I will be seeing this in IMAX. <laughs> yeah, I'm 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 all in. I'm I'm just 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 give me this now. I just want it now. <laughs> anyway. I feel like this is really quick too. Like I feel like it was announced not that long ago, and it's already going to be coming out in like a few months. I don't know. But... I I mean I've been hearing about this since like twenty. 20- like James Gunn's version? Yeah. Or was that that long ago? I, I don't know. Or, Maybe I just lost my sense of time. I don't I don't know. The I don't know. The whole pandemic has kind of screwed up everyone's sense of time. So yeah. yeah. I don't even know what time is anymore. So <laughs> <laughs> anyway, moving on. Um, according to Deadline, Cineworld, which owns Regal Cinemas here in the States, announced that it will be reopening its theaters for the first time in six months. The phase process will start with a limited number of cinemas opening for WB and Legendary's Godzilla vs. Kong on April 2nd, despite the film coming out on the 31st. Uh, Regal lo- uh, Regal's location will open more widely on April 16th in time for New Lives Mortal Kombat. The reason why these titles are specifically mentioned is due to the fact that Cineworld and Warner Brothers have hatched a multi-year agreement that will see the number two global exhibitor show the studio's 2021 theatrical and HBO Max day and date tiles in the U.S. as of their theatrical release. Then beginning in 2022, Warner Brothers theatrical films will have a 45-day window of theatrical exclusivity at Cineworld's Regal chain, therefore nixing the day and date setup with HBO Max. Regarding the WB deal, Cineworld CEO Mookie Greninger, who have been a staunch supporter of the theatrical window, said in the statement, we are very happy for this for the agreement with Warner Brothers. This agreement shows the studio's commitment to the theatrical business, and we see this agreement as an important milestone in our 100-year relationship with Warner Brothers. So starting next year, it seems like we're nixing that deal. And like, I imagine probably a lot of the filmmakers are probably like, oh, thank God. Yeah, probably. Because they probably lost a lot of money off of this whole deal. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah, I just, yeah, no, I'm just... And also, don't you have a Regal near you? Okay. Yeah, like the two theaters here that are close to me are both, um, I, I believe, are Regal. Mm-hmm. So I'll see if they if the, they're going to be included in the opening. Because mm-hmm. um, I I mean, I feel like they've been close like since I've been back because I moved back here in August. And so they've been closed ever since. So it's been, it's a little crazy because they've always been like, always been open like these are the ones we've always been to what are your thoughts on this christy 
Yeah. I mean, it, it makes sense. I mean, I didn't think that that other deal was going to be, I don't know, it was going to stand as things change and things open up. And so it's just, it's sensible and I don't have a regal nearby, but um, I kind of wish I did, <laughs> but um, yeah, it makes, it makes total sense. And I'm sure a lot of people are relieved with the news for sure. Yeah. I, for me, like I have aims, I have all three nearby me, but the ones that have been like closed since like the pandemic started, it happened the regal. So it'll be very nice to go back to a regal theater, but yeah, no, it's gonna, it's definitely going to be interesting. And I definitely imagine a lot of filmmakers are probably like relieved, probably even mm-hmm. like some, like um, a certain Denise Villeneuve is probably relieved like, oh, thank God. Yeah. So that movie is coming out in 2021. I wonder if that movie, I wonder if Dune's going to be included in the deal. Mm-hmm. Because that one like comes out like towards the end of 2021 and we haven't heard anything yet. I'm pretty excited about that one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, that's another one that I will see directly in the theater. And not on HBO Max. But yeah. can't wait to return to the theater. Oh, I started. Um because the guy who just went. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay, you can gloat. It's all right. I, I know. I'm no, I'm I'm just like just... <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> you can't hear it, but he st- stuck his tongue out at me. Yeah. <laughs> All right, moving on. Despite the announcement from from Regal and Warner's, Deadline reports that Disney is opening both its key summer event picks, Corella and Marvel's Black Widow, simultaneously in theaters and on Disney Plus for premiere access, usually the $30 uh, a purchase extra for subscribers in most markets on Friday 28th, that's for Corella, and Friday, July 9th, respectively. In addition, Disney has shifted the release dates on five other films, with those being Free Guy, moving from May 21st, 2021 to August 13th, 2021. Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings from July 9th to September 3rd, The Kingsman from August 20th to December 22nd, Deep Water from August 13th to January 14th, and Death of the Nile from September 17th to February to February 11th, 2022. Disney has also announced that its summer Pixar movie Luca will stream exclusively into Disney Plus homes worldwide on June 18th. Mm-hmm. So yeah, what are y'all thoughts on this? This is interesting. Is it me or did I thought that Corella was a TV series? I don't know why I thought that, but now that makes a little bit more sense. I didn't, I, the Corella trailer got me a little bit interested. Um, yeah. And then it makes sense that they were, they've been waiting to make a move on Black Widow for a long time because they didn't want to, they didn't want to like put her on the streaming and then not be able to put her in the theaters like if it was reopening. So they've mm-hmm. been holding off on making a move, but um, I think this was like the likely outcome is to the premiere access, but also put her in theater so people who can go can go and yeah, yeah. we'll see I, how it goes. I think also the international play might be factoring because while in the US things are kind of looking up depending on where you are, internationally I know it's a bit of a mess. Mm. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they pushed Black Widow back so many times. Um, mm-hmm. I wouldn't even be surprised if this didn't stick, but it makes perfect sense to, to do this. And Disney is just like, you know, ruling everything right now. Yeah. It's, uh, it's kind of insane. But um, yeah, I don't know. I have still yet to purchase anything with Premier Access because it's like, I don't know, $30 seems kind of ridiculous, but maybe maybe I'll be able to see it in theaters. I'm, I'm not as excited about Black Widow as I should be, to be honest, but. That's, that's like a whole other thing <laughs> i'm just happy we're getting another marvel movie marvel movie in the theaters again yeah no that's yes. awesome 
yeah, yeah. No, I, I I get you. Also, I'm I'm more or less rooting for Florence Pugh and like yeah. Harbor. Yeah, I'm more excited about Florence Pugh because I know that she's going to be integrated into the MCU as well, like going forward. I think yeah. she's going to be in Hawkeye's. Show. Yeah, she's going to be in the Hawkeye show. Yeah. Yeah. So, interesting. Yeah. That being said, though, Luca, I'm a. I get why they're making the play for Luca to be on Disney Plus, but I also kind of feel bad a little bit for Pixar mm-hmm. because I, I, because if you've seen the trailer for Luca, it looks really good. And like, I was literally hoping we would get that on like an IMAX premiere. So, but I guess they must've looked at the success of soul on Disney Plus to be like, you know what, if it has the same amount of success on Disney Plus, let's just put it on street on streaming. Plus it's also like, yeah, I, I get it. It's just, yeah, no, I don't know. I was really hoping to see that on like a big screen and stuff. Yeah. So. So yeah, but that's just me. Anyway, moving on. An exclusive from Deadline reports that a TV series spinoff of the Nicolas Cage-starred franchise National Treasure has been uh, greenlighted with a 10-episode order. According to the article, the spinoff will be written by the original writers of the film, Marina and Cormac Wibbley, and will be produced by Jerry Bruckheimer, with the show set to follow Jess Morales, a 20-year-old dreamer who, with her diverse group of friends, sets off on the adventure of a lifetime to uncover her mystery mysterious family history and recover lost treasure so we're not getting national treasure three but we are getting a series yeah why i (laughs) look as long as like nick cage has like a cameo at the end then i will take this i mean it's nick cage you just ask him to do anything and he seems like he says yes so he probably i don't know if he has time to do a series though no, I don't mm-hmm. know if that guy doesn't work. Like, it just seems like he's doing something all the time. Every, like, month we get a new Nick Cage movie. And it's always weirder or wilder than the <laughs> if that's possible. Um, but as a, someone that actually quite enjoyed those two movies, just as, like, a, you know, slice of just fun kind of take your brain out to an extent, um, especially the first one, it's just weird. I don't know. I just feel like there's original content. is so, so str- like, such a struggle in Hollywood right now. And it, so just, like, taking things that have already been done and then... I don't know. I'm just not thrilled about it, but you know, we'll see. That's fair. I mean, for me, it's like, I'm going to give it a chance because of the original writers are coming back. If this was anyone else, then I would have issues with it. Mm -hmm. But like the original writers are coming back. So there's that, but also just, again, my, my only Paul, my only request for the show is that you get Nicolas Cage in a cameo or like, like make it, make him have an appearance in the last episode. Then all this is all this will be forgiven but other than that though like i'm, I'm kind of with you but at the same time though i don't know i want to give this a chance before i say anything so that's my mm-hmm. policy. that's always been my policy on that so yeah uh Jimmy, what do you think policy. about this news um this is funny. i haven't seen those movies in so long but i remember really enjoying them but it's like like what Casey said is it's strange original content is really like getting less and less over the over the time because reboots are like just take kind of taking over in like a weird way like because they're selling because of the the nostalgia factor for the reboots and like the remakes and stuff so Mm -hmm. um but i mean it's a good i think it's a good thing for disney plus getting some more content out there it is something that will probably do fairly well on disney plus and they can just see if people are still interested in it i guess um but i mean the premise sounds kind of cool but yeah i mean i think they need to get nicholas cage for a cameo though because i think that will really be like boost boosted up a little bit mm-hmm. for people to get interested in it yeah i wonder if he can even do that role anymore though because i feel like he, he bar- like very rarely ever plays like a 
kind of, I don't want to say normal, but like not, you know, at a level eight character. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so yeah. maybe he'll come back and he'll be like the more eccentric version of maybe. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> maybe. I, I can see him as a mentor figure kind of being like, oh God, then this movie, and uh, I'm just now imagining this kind of being like Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Oh, that's mm -hmm. a good one. Mm, yeah, that, that, yeah. But yeah, no, that that's kind of how I like imagine like his men, like his, his character were to kind of come in and play like a mentor figure. Mm -hmm. But yeah, no, I I don't know. But yeah, no, I I see I see your points and stuff. It's it's just interesting. But yeah, anyway, yeah, I'll give it a shot. Yeah, probably. Anyways, speaking to another Disney Plus series, but that's actually original. We got an. I think this is the first. Yeah, this is the first trailer for Big Shot, created by Dean Lowry and Pretty Little Liars creator Devin. David E. Kelly and starring John Stamos and Shirley, I mean Yvette Nicole Brown. That was a <laughs> this opposite reads a temperamental college basketball coach who gets fired from his job and must take a teaching teaching coaching job in an elite private high school. The first episode is set to drop on Disney Plus on April 16th. What do we think about this trailer? This is cute. It was a cute trailer. Um, yeah, it, it, and it's it's. I think it's gonna just be one of those really things that are just cute and like nice to watch. Um, I'll probably end up checking it out. I'm actually kind of interested to see how it goes. And this will be like sort of one of their first like officially original original stuff. I know they've had some stuff, but I feel like they have some names on here that are gonna get people's attention. Mm -hmm. But I liked the trailer. I thought it was really cute. Yeah, Chrissy, what did you think about this trailer? Yeah, I had a similar thought. I thought it was cute. I'll be interested to to try it out and see what it's like. But um, yeah, I mean, again, I like she just said. I think it's it's cool that they're having this kind of original um show. So it'll be it'll be fun to check out. Yeah. And it's coming I, right up. I didn't even realize it was April sixteenth. Now. Yeah. Yeah. No. Jesus Christ. We're again, right. time. What's happening? Time <laughs> is irrelevant. Time is irrelevant. It's a construct. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, for me, I'm I'm digging this. I. I, I thought it was I thought it was cute. Or, um, again, like all whenever I see Nicole, Nicole Brown of anything, I just think Shirley from Community. And like I know, but also like she's been in other stuff. Like she's been um, I, so I. Jamie, do you remember Drake and Josh? I don't, Christy. I yeah, don't know if she's you were the, she's the manager. She's yeah. the manager at the movie theater. I don't know if you remember this show. I don't know. If, do you remember the show Drake and Josh for context sake, Chrissy? No, I don't. Sorry. Yeah, it's okay. It's okay. This was mostly for my for Jamie and I's generation. But yeah, no, she, Jesus, how long have you been like him? I was just going to say, I always think of her being like a super Walking Dead fan, like huge Walking oh, Dead yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, no. Yeah. Like when all that Chris and community. Hartman. Oh, yeah. I never understood like sh why she never had her own show. Is it just me? Is it just me? Am I, am I the only one that feels that way? For like The Walking Dead, like a Walking Dead after show? Yeah. Or like just in general? Or just in general. I mean, I mean, she kind of did moderate some of the after shows for a little while. Yeah. Mm -hmm. MC. But. Yeah, no. I, I just, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I, I like that. I, I like that actress. I'm, I've been a fan of that action since like community. So, anyways, moving on to a bit of a more somber note. Um, Jessica Walter, best known for her role as Lucy Booth on the show Arrested Development and Mallory Archer on Archer, among others, has passed away at the age of 80 at her home in New York. Her daughter, Fox Entertainment executive Brooke Bowman, said in a statement, it is with a heavy heart I confirmed the passing of my beloved mother, Jessica, she said. A working actress for over six decades, her greatest pleasure was bringing joy to others through her storytelling both on screen and off. While her will live on through her body of work, she will also be remembered 
by many for her wit, class, and overall joy devray. Okay, I can't pronounce them because that's French and like I. Mm. In addition to her roles on Arrested Development and Archer, she received her two Golden Globe nominations. One for a role in Grand Prix and the other for her role as Ellen Draper, a radio DJ in, Cl in the Clint Eastwood film Play Dirty for Me. This was, this was rough. I, I did not, I don't think anyone saw this coming. And like, just, and also like, like literally that morning, the morning she passed, like I was watching episodes of Archer. Oh, really? Yeah. So, uh -huh. yeah. Uh, yeah, no, this, this was sad, but. Yeah, big yeah. loss. She's she was very talented and hilarious. Like obviously, I mean, I love Arrested Development. Her character was <laughs> phenomenal. Basically, like the same character in Archer, in a sense, as far as like her kind of humor. But yeah, she was. It's a definitely a big loss. Yeah, I, I remember like every time I would watch like clips from like Arrested Development, like a large percent of that would go to like her her stuff and like it's just like she always would crank me up and stuff but you know it's a bit of a loss but yeah 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 anyway something a bit a bit lighter um um according to De according to an exclusive from deadline seth rogan is set to join the ensemble of the film which is based loosely based off of steven spielberg's childhood growing up in arizona where rogan will play the favorite uncle of young spielberg while michelle williams is set to star as his mother the film will start shooting this summer with a 2022 release date with spielberg set to direct and co-write the script with his west side story collaborator tony kushner so seth rogan is the favorite uncle <laughs> i think this is awesome I think yeah. this is awesome as well. I love <laughs> Seth Rogen. I also just think it's kind of just hilarious. It is. It's kind of random, but in the best way. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, like, it's just, like, it's just, I, I can easily kind of imagine him kind of as, like, the favorite uncle to, like, a bunny filmmaker and stuff. Yeah, plus him and Spielberg. That'll be an interesting uh, collaboration, I think. I'm really curious to see what, what that's going to be like. And also shout out to Seth Rogen for making a lot of really cool vases and like things. Yes. He has a whole company. It's like, every time I see it, it's every time I see him on like Instagram and stuff, they're so cool. Not to <laughs> mention his um, certain company, which. Yeah. Um, homegrown? Is it homegrown? Yeah. Or... I, I, I think it's house. No, plant. house plant. House plant. Yeah. Sorry. Which Pretty I don't cool. know if we should probably discuss the legality of weed. I know in California it's legal, but I don't know about it where everyone else is. Is, yeah. yeah so you know full disclaimer you know do what you will about that you know but he makes some really cool stuff he basically took like a hobby during the pandemic and created like something kind of cool and, and beautiful out of that which is awesome it makes me want to like make make things i wish i had the uh capability to do that basis yes yeah. yes and all kinds of stuff like i mean it's it's kind of incredible um they're really cool looking too well, I haven't seen on Instagram. I don't follow. I don't think I follow him on there. But that's really cool. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, I also want to kind of credit him on like his producing game recently, which mm -hmm. I'll discuss a bit when we get to um, our thoughts on a certain um, animated show based off a of comic later. But mm -hmm. he's kind of just been killing. He's been killing it lately, and I'm just like absolutely. Just like this is just one addition to your repertoire, I guess. But yeah. Okay. So go Seth Rogen because <laughs> mm -hmm. he's listening right now and this is going to make his day <laughs> <laughs> anyways <laughs> anyways moving on uh, we got a trailer for Stowaway co-written and directed by Joe Penna who did the Matt Mickelson movie Arctic which is actually really good and I highly recommend y'all check it out 
um, and sorry, Anna Kendrick, Daniel Day Kim, Shamir Anderson, and Tony Collette. The film synopsis reads, on a mission headed to Mars, an unintended stowaway accidentally causes severe damage to, space, uh, to the spaceship's life support system. Facing dwindling resources and a potential fatal outcome, the crew is forced to make an impossible decision. The film is set to drop on Netflix on April 22nd. What did we all think of the trailer? It was pretty interesting. I didn't even know. If we talked about this earlier, I didn't remember it. But I, I remember now, because I almost thought I didn't watch this trailer. But then I looked at the cast. I'm like, oh, yeah, I did watch this. I remember now. Um, I don't know if you guys seen, um, oh, shoot. What is that Netflix one that's in space, too? With, space Weavers? Um, no, it's the one with... Um, George was, Midnight Sky? No, she was on Flash. She played um, the villain with like the sh- shards. I'm forgetting her name. Wait, was that like Nightflyers or something? I'll have to find it later. But um, like their space shows are pretty cool. I like I've seen Lost in Space too. I've seen a little bit of that, and it's pretty interesting. Um, and this this cast is pretty cool too. I like the trailer. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed the trailer. I remember reading about this movie like. A year or so ago maybe even longer and i it was interesting even just from a synopsis point of view but actually seeing the trailer i think it's gonna be a potentially like really um kind of deep as well you know like there's a lot going on as far as you know i mean you have to decide basically who's going to live and you know it's 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 some interesting topics kind of to discuss or to dive into in a movie that's all mm-hmm. yeah i'm I'm very curious about this one because again i i like the director and also like mm-hmm. um also shoot shout out to daniel day kim he's been killing it lately um he was in raya and now he's in this also um anna kendrick is in this movie and here's the thing with anna kendrick um i've seen her in like a few other things like for example she played ben affleck's love interest in the um accountant mm-hmm. but other than that though like i haven't really seen much of her like outside of the comedy stuff and i know she's done like outside of the comedy stuff like i think if i looked up on imdb i did probably a few more stuff but this is like something like really outside the comedy stuff i love her in up in the air it's a okay. Terrific mm. okay but that okay that's more comedy drama that's more dramedy but yeah but i mean yeah. i was just throwing out another movie you know she's from maine by the way just a shout out <laughs> <laughs> i know someone that went to school <laughs> oh that's cool yeah also i just realized she was also in i just i forgot i honestly kind of forgot about this she was in the twilight movies yeah yes she was oh 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 it's kind of like her like i think that's really where she started i mean Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. her big break in a sense yeah i yeah no i just remember that and i just i went into a very very just hello darkness my old friend (laughs) And I love Daniel Day Kim. I'm a big Lost fan. I remember originally seeing him in that, or maybe it was The Cave I first saw him in that movie, if you've ever seen that horror movie. Um, it's not good. But uh, yeah, so it's it's great to see him getting more and more roles. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also, Tony Collette. Yeah, well, she's Tony yeah. Collette. I mean, she's just like... Yeah, so she's, know, she's, she's awesome. Yeah, she's awesome. <laughs> yeah, she's awesome. Yeah, anyways, moving on. Um, and actually, speaking of horror... Um, according to Deadline, Lionsgate and Twisted Pictures have pushed out the Saw spin-off Spiral from the Book of Shaw, a uh, Saw, not Shaw, but Saw, 
<laughs> so May 14th, Daniel Spitz, uh, the president of Distribution Lionsgate, confirmed in a statement saying, well, movie theaters now open in New York and LA, uh, and moviegoers returning to their favorite pastime. Spyro puts a fresh spin on a favorite franchise. We know that Saw franchise, as well as those experienced experience their first Saw venture, will be on the edge of their seats with this thrilling new film, he said. We are proud to support the exhibitors in with one of our most eagerly awaited films, we are confident this film will kick off a robust summer movie-going season. The film is set to star Chris Rock and Samuel Jackson, with the film set to be directed by Darren Lynn Barsman, who directed Saw 2 through 4. So yeah, um, I'm excited for this. Jamie, I know you're not, because I know you don't do horror. Uh, you think of having two cousins who were big into horror back in the day that I would, would have been more into it, but... Um, like these kind of movies aren't my jam like i've watched walking dead but this is kind of my limit i think Mm -hmm. um but i know you guys are probably all excited about it and it is pretty cool that they're coming back with another movie so yeah what do you think about this christy uh, you know i'm kind of sought out (laughs) honestly i like the first one i think you know there's some interesting things in some of the sequels but i just feel like the last few it's just been like really more i mean i'm intrigued by the the cast and i'm I'm definitely will watch it (laughs) because yes i do love horror and i'm curious and you know you gotta watch things (laughs) when they come out like this because it's like i don't know but it's just with saw like it's one of those ones that just have way too many sequels and i know that's a common thing with horror i mean every single franchise basically has done this but it's just getting it gets a little tiring that's all that makes sense unoriginal yeah. i i only really seen the first one but the vibe i get from spiral is that it's gonna be more like seven yeah i mean if it if it's taking like a, a different approach and you know from what i've seen it kind of is i mean that definitely makes it more intriguing absolutely and seven's awesome i don't yeah. know if you can really like <laughs> get near that one but um but yeah no i i just yeah no i'm 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 all for this and like i've been waiting for this one for a bit uh yeah no i've really only seen the first one and stuff so, so yeah, yeah. I've seen- seen them all pretty much except for the last one but i will say this year has a lot of horror uh films line up that are pretty exciting so i saw so well when i went to go see a certain movie that again we will talk about i saw a trailer for um in the earth the ben wheatley one that looks uh creepy as fuck (laughs) and like i'm pretty sure i and i'm not trying to make fun of people who have seizures or anything but i'm pretty sure i had a seizure afterwards or not like not like as I don't know. There were a lot of flashing lights. Mm. They should have given a warning. They usually do. Yeah. 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 Or I don't know. Yeah. But yeah, plenty it, of movies like are coming out this year that we've been waiting for, like just in general. But there is a good lineup of horror movies that we've been waiting for. You know, like even Quiet Place Two, Candyman. Um, oh, I can't. I can't wait for Candyman. I. I just. I can't. Oh, I know. I, I, I'm I, excited. I, I love the original, but I also love Nia DaCosta, and I'm really curious Nia to see DaCosta. that. She's doing Captain Marvel too. Yes, I know. I'm very excited. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm I'm all in. But yeah. <laughs> Anyways, moving on. And speaking of horror, while talking with IGN during South by Southwest 2021, the Last of Us series creator and executive producer Neil Druckmann gave an update on the upcoming adaptation from HBO and Chernobyl creator Craig Mason, saying that we talked at length that season one of the show is going to be the first game, Druckmann explained, knowing that for him and Mason, the philosophical underpinnings of the story were the essential thing to get 
right about the adaptation as far as the superficial things like a character wear the same plaid shirt or the same red shirt they might or might not appear appear in it that's way less important to us than getting the core of who these people are and the core of their journey Druckmann continued to elaborate on the difference between the show and the game saying that things sometimes stay pretty close it's funny to see my dialogue there from the games in HBO scripts and sometimes they deviate greatly to much better effect because we are dealing with a different medium Druckmann finishes the interview by saying for example in the game there's so much action you have to train the player about mechanics you have to have you have to have more violence and more spectacle to some degree than you would need on a tv show because you don't need to train people on how to use a gun so that's something that's been really different and it has been great and pushing us to move away from hardcore action and focus more on the drama of the characters. Some of my favorite episodes have great have deviated greatly from the story, and I can't wait for people to see them. So what are your thoughts on these comments, everyone? I'm excited. Uh, I love those games. I'm like obsessed with those games. So I'm really, really excited to see it. And I think it's really cool that the first game is going to be the first season. I think that makes sense. I don't know how many episodes for sure um, it's going to be. So like, I don't know. I'm sure you can get it done in the first season, but I just really want a good video game adaptation like so much. So I'm really probably putting my cards on this a little bit too much, but yeah. I'm uh, okay. Full confession. I, I've seen gameplay of it. I'm familiar with what it is. I just haven't like directly played because I don't have a console and B I just don't have time because you know, even though they're pinnacle pandemic i just don't have time but yeah no um but either way i'm like really looking forward to this and like it does seem like there are balance and also i think you know the fact that it's hbo and the fact that we get literally the creator of chernobyl craig mason like doing this and like these comments are very much interesting like it seems like they're respecting the core of the game while also doing their own thing and i think that's Mm-hmm. Very much essential, whether it be a video game, a uh, previous movie reboot, etc. As long as you have the core of the thing down, I think you can be good. But yeah. Mm-hmm. Jamie, have you played these games, by the way? Um, I've seen gameplay. I don't have a... I know they were like P- PlayStation exclusive. I, I have Xbox. Um, but I've seen gameplay of it. So I'm aware of like, I think a good chunk of the story. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I agree with you. It seems like they're focusing more on the core of the story and the characters and stuff. And I think that's what they need to do. And I think that's important more so than like, like what he said, is so-and-so wearing the exact same outfit from the game or like all those superficial things. Um, so I think it's safe. Like, I think they're going to be, I think it's going to be fine because they're focusing on the core of it. So I think it should be, hopefully be good. Hopefully fans of the game um, are excited. Yeah, yeah I just w- want to add too, the game what makes it so amazing other than just like the gameplay itself is the story and it has like a very cinematic feel and it's you know the characters and what they go through so it's kind of the perfect game to adapt into something Mm -hmm. like this um, because it has so much plot and just takes a lot out of you it's kind of a sad game too but I'll just Leave it at that. <laughs> yeah, I, but yeah, no. Also, the fact that, you know, this is getting HBO money mm-hmm. and like Patreon, and we already, got, we literally got the Mandalorian himself. Pedro Pascal um, playing the lead is just I I think this is going to be real I think this is going to change the game and on HBO too they can do so much there and HBO is just like you know I mean with television yes exactly it's like you know they're the best so I'm really excited yeah no Mm -hmm. yeah 
And actually, speaking of video game, video game adaptations, exclusive from Deadline reports that Sony Pictures and PlayStation Productions are developing a film adaptation of the hugely successful action-adventure game Ghost of Tsushima, with John Wick director Chad Stahelski attached to direct. For those that are unfamiliar with the game, the game is developed by Sucker Punch Productions and published by Sony Interactive Entertainment, and the story focuses on samurai warrior Jin Sasuke, I believe his name is, mm-hmm. um... The last surviving member of his clan who must set aside his traditions that have shaped him as a warrior to wage an unconventional war for the freedom of Tsushima. Tsahelski, Alex Young, and Jason Spitz are producing through their company 87 Entertainment with Aziz Quilbas and Carter Swan will produce on behalf of Sony PlayStation Productions. Uh, We're excited to be partnering with Chad and... 8711 Entertainment to bring the vision of Jin's story to the big screen. We love working with creative partners like Chad, who have a passion for our games, ensuring we can create rich adaptations that will excite uh, our fans and new audiences, said um, Quibus, head of PlayStation Productions. So what do we all think about this? This is interesting. I'm also excited. It's also a good game. I like, so <laughs> kind of like mirroring the same thing. It's not to the same level of excitement as Last of Us, but I think it's really cool um, that the John Wick director is doing it. I'm, I'm excited again. Please give us good video game adaptations. Mm-hmm. I beg of you, because I'm scared about Mortal Kombat. And I'm just going to end there. Uh, the, I mean, Mortal Kombat is a very big question mark, but I, I don't know. I'm, I'm waiting until I see something, but yeah, no. Um, this is interesting. I haven't played the game. I'm going to be honest with you. I have yet to play the game. I've heard great things about it. But um, but for me, the main interest is Chad Stahelski directing. I think that's a good choice, especially with especially with his work on the John Wick franchise and other stuff. So yeah. Jamie, what do you think about this news? Um, I mean, I haven't played the game either. Um, but if it's an adventure action game, um, the John Wick director sounds like a good choice to come in and do it, especially for the action stuff, because he's really good at that kind of stuff directing that and um like you said we we get these terrible video game adaptations sometimes so it'd be really cool if like last of us and then this uh knock it out of the park and do good and more combat fingers crossed yeah anyways fingers um, toes all of them (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah anyways um and actually, speaking of John Wick, in an interview with Steve Weintraub, John Wick 1 through 3, as well as franchise creator, because he wrote the, the original script for this, and, and nobody screenwriter Derek Colsat revealed that he will not be writing the fourth installment, saying in a statement, no, it wasn't my decision. When you think of the contractuality of these things, the third one I shared with the credit uh, with any number of people, they didn't have to come back to me, and so they didn't. At a certain point, the studio will tell you your creation is graduated and you wish it well. I'm still too close with Chad, so close with David Leach, who co-directed the first movie with uh, Sahelski. And I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm excited to see John Wick Chapter 4 is set to be released on May 27, 2022. I'm kind of concerned. Um, just because he's kind of been like the franchise architect for like all the all the films. And I will say, though, when I, when I saw John Wick Chapter 3, I was kind of surprised at the amount of people that were involved. Um, one of them who is now, I think, writing the upcoming Zack Snyder's um, Army of the Dark, uh, not Army of the Dark, but Army of the Dead. So, and who did like a really great um, spec script called Ballerina, which I reckon, which I believe is being retrofitted into a John Wick spinoff. But yeah, I'm, I'm mixed. I'm, I'm, a, uh, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm I mean, bit. it's never good when you lose somebody this big for a franchise. It, yeah. it's, it's always cause for concern. 
So uh, yeah, I'm, I'm a bit concerned. Chrissy, what do you think about this news? Yeah, no, it's concerning for sure. Um, it's also insane that there's going to be a fourth and fifth. I wonder who's going to write the sixth, seventh, and eighth. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it is. It is concerning. Yeah, uh, my guess is that we're probably going to start stop at five because this because the franchise, at least from my view of it, is like it's about the like five stages of grief. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. but yeah, no, I'm I'm just I don't know. I will, I'm, I'm going to give it a chance, but at the same time, though, I'm just like hey, I'm erring on the side of caution. Yeah, yeah. Anyways, moving on. Um, so. This is for you, Jamie. We got a trailer for season six of Supergirl, a synopsis for the season premiere, which is actually the season, if I'm not mistaken, this was supposed to be the season five finale, but was booted to season six due to COVID. If I'm, yep. Am I correct on that? Okay. Uh, reads, as Brainiac, played by Jesse Raff, lays close to death after trying to stop Lex, played by John Cryer, Supergirl and team story in the save him engaging with an epic battle with Ganyme May guest star uh, Carbono. Oh, no. After beating the fight, Finn Supergirl turns his attention to Lex, who has used the Obsidian platforms to brainwash half half the world to love him and follow him at all costs, no matter what horrible things he's done. Knowing how dangerous this makes her brother Lena, played by Kate, uh, Kate nah, Katie McGrath, enlists the entire team. Alex, played by Charlene John, played by David Har- Harwood Dreamer, played by Nicole May. Kelly, played by Azzy Tesfaya, and Brainiac to help, but Supergirl realizes the only way to truly stop Lex is to sacrifice herself. Supergirl Season 6 is set to air next week on the CW at 9-8 Central. So, Jamie, (laughs) what did you think about this? There's too much Lex. I'm... uh, I feel bad because Jean Cryer is actually a really good Lex Luthor. I am just very, very tired of Lex being on this show and there's been the trailer was not the trailer was it was they were setting it like it was supposed to be a like a season six trailer it was really just like an extended promo for like the first episode and maybe the second episode Mm -hmm. um and stuff and it is very much a continuation of season five and like cleaning up all the loose ends kind of like what Flash did um Mm -hmm. at the beginning of season seven um there's been a lot of theories going around what car is going to do she's definitely i feel like it's becoming more and more like certain that she's going to end up in the phantom zone again um and stuff especially because it looks like in the trailer he's holding whatever device it is that is like the portal to the phantom zone (laughs) so yeah but i mean the only good part is when lena punched him because that was very very funny um (laughs) to me uh, but yeah, I mean, it's it's the last season, so I hope it's really good, and I just really hope like that this is just them tying up all the Lex stuff, and then he goes away eventually. He's been on for so long since season four, and it's time for him to go. Yeah, I gotta ask something because I don't watch the show. Okay, so mm-hmm. I can't really have commentary on it. But did you say John Cryer? Yes, I yes. did. <laughs> yes, yes, that John Cryer. Yes. Ducky is Ducky. Lex Luthor. Ducky what is, is Lex. <laughs> Literally. That was my first thought when he was casted um, for in season four, but he's actually really good. He does a fantastic job, but it, it's more of the character has run its course, yeah. and and it's time for him to go. But they love John Cryer so much they want to keep him because he has done such a good job. Um, that's, I, I mean, his clips. Yeah, like I'll send you, like, we'll, I could find you his season four, his first, like, uh, 
his first appearance in season four, he he's incredible. He does like those that that made like the back half of season four like really good. Uh-huh. But yeah. Yeah, yeah he's my like Sluther is Michael Rosenbaum. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm older and I watch Somebody small. I don't care how you do just it. Sorry. I have to. <laughs> no, it's going to be stuck in my head all day. Very much that. <laughs> you're, you're welcome. You're welcome. Yeah, There's for, worse things to be. Yeah. 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 For, for me, um, I'm just, I'm kind of with Jamie on this, but also at the same time, I'm really trying to figure out how they're going to do this final season, but I, this is more, more or less, this is, this is Jamie's show. This it's, is. It's, it's such a weird thing because like, it feels such a weird last season. Like, I feel like it's all over the place and it hasn't even started yet. And I'm just like, oh, it's, it's going to be one of these seasons. I just feel it. But um, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. I'm, I'm hopeful that it's at least a good send off for Kara because yeah. I want that because it is her last season, but. We'll just see what they decide to do. Anyways, more. Uh, anyways, moving on to even more some CW slash DC news. According to TV Line, the CW has cast Krypton and the Royals alum Wallace Day in the role of Kate Kane in Batwoman season two, taking over from Ruby Rose who departed the CW series at the end of last season. Wallace Day is going to be playing our altered version of Kate Kane, and she's an amazing actress. Says showrunner, oh, showrunner Caroline Drives tells TV Line, "I'm excited for you guys to see the journey that she endures." And on Instagram, Ruby Rose gave her support and bless saying to the recasting saying i'm sorry i didn't congratulate wallace day yesterday rose said on instagram in response to a photo tribute to the first to her version of the care of kane i knew about the casting beforehand and i didn't know when it aired so i forgot to i'm seeing all these things i'm tagged in with people sad or wondering how i felt she added i feel great i have nothing but good vibes jamie what do you think about this recasting oh, i don't know i mean like She's, I, I'm not very familiar with this actress, but from what I've heard, she's really good. So that's awesome. I don't know how I feel about Kate still being able to be around. I'm like confused and I'm not even caught up on the show. I'm just confused. Because mm-hmm. um, I, I almost, and it almost makes it feel like they casted Ruby in the first place for a name to make sure that the show like picked up enough steam on the network to keep going. Mm-hmm um but i mean i guess we'll just see what happens i'm I'm not caught up but i heard but i did hear about this so um i guess we'll just see what happens i don't know what do you think yeah i'm not caught up either and i like i watched the first three episodes of this new season Mm -hmm. and i liked ryan i genuinely did and like i'm just wondering like okay so what are we doing moving forward is she gonna pass the mandala her are we gonna have dual batwoman what what are we what are we doing here, people? I know that's what's confusing. Is like they got rid of Kate, and then we got Ryan, and like you said, Ryan is great, and but bringing Kate back, which I think is a good thing, because the crazy thing about this is all the characters that they've introduced in the first season are still connected to Kate. Mm-hmm. We have Kate's dad, we have her stepsister, like we have the pet guy who worked with her cousin, like all this stuff. Mm-hmm. They're all her not to mention Alice um, mm-hmm. and stuff. And so I thought it was a weird choice not to recast Kate in the first place. Like that's what I would have done. Mm-hmm. Um, and 
but like like you said it's going to be weird now like what's going to happen to ryan is like kate going to come back after this season and be full-time are they going to split it like what are they going to do it's very confusing yeah it's just like it's just like make a decision people please just make a decision what are your thoughts do you have any thoughts on this christy i don't know i sorry it's not one again that i'm really you know that i'm watching sorry there's just so many it's okay it's okay Anyways, um, so for our last item, so we got a bunch of DC news, and the way I'm gonna do this is that I'm gonna kind of go back. I'm gonna there's about one, there's about one, two, three, four, five, six. There's about six DC news stories. I'm gonna go by all of them. I'm gonna go through all of them, and then by the end we'll discuss we'll discuss each each and every one. So that's good. So yeah. All right, let's do this. The first news story. According to Variety, Emerald Fennell, the Oscar-nominated director of Promising Young Woman, has been tapped to write Santana, a big screen adaptation of the DC Comics heroine by Warner and DC Films, who will be releasing the film theatrically with J.J. Abrams' Bad Robot, producing through his overall deal with Warner Media. For those unfamiliar with the character, Santana, created by Garner Fox and Murphy Anderson, is a magician and considered considered, uh, to be one of the most powerful sorcerers in the DC universe. Her magical abilities are genetic, as her dad, Giovanni Santara, was also an alchemist. The character has also appeared on the team Justice League Dark, alongside John Constantine, who is getting his own show on HBO Max that will also be produced by J.J., uh, she was Serena Swan on Smallville back in the day. Moving on to the second news story, according to Deadline, Helen Mirren is joining the DC Extended Universe for Shazam, Fury of the Gods, a sequel to the 2019 Shazam, where she will be playing the villain Hesperia, daughter, the daughter of Atlas. Sources tell the publication that Mirren and Rachel Zegler, who has been cast in Unknown Rome, will play sisters who may or may not be of ill intent. This leads into the theory that the antagonists are going to be the three sisters, which makes sense given that this is the case in actual Greek mythology. On to the third item. An exclusive from THR reports that former James Bond actor Pierce Bronson has been tapped to play Dr. Faith in the upcoming Dwayne Johnson-led Black Adam. For those unfamiliar with the character, Dr. Faith, aka Kent Nelson, created in 1940, is the son of an archaeologist who was taught sorcery skills and given the magical helmet of faith, which will be led by Alice, Alice Hodge Hogman and will contain Noah Centino's Adam Smasher, among others. Onto the fourth item, while talking on the podcast Phase Zero, True Blood actor Joe Maginello, who was at one point supposed to play the role of Deathstroke in the proposed Batman, uh, Ben Affleck directed the Batman and only got to play the character in a cameo, both in the theatrical cut as well as the director's cut of 2017's Justice League, revealed that in the script, which Affleck penned with comic book writer Jeff Johns, include Batgirl and Deathstroke, saying that there was a there was like a huge showdown, I think, between Batgirl. Batgirl tries to jump in and help Bruce because Deathstroke is so fast, he can anticipate Bruce's movements. Magnella continues on saying this leads into this big climatic battle through the streets of uh, through the streets of Gotham in the end. It's like a real-life psychological thriller with Deathstroke. He was like a horror movie like a shark kind of like jaws onto the fifth item in a, excuse me in an exclusive from deadline office space star wrong livingston has been cast in the ezra miller led the flash um as he will be portraying barry allen's father henry allen replacing billy crudup who portrayed a role in 2017's justice league and who had to back out due to scheduling conflict with apple's um the the morning show for which he won an Oscar for. And finally, in an interview with Deadline, Michael Keaton hinted that he might not be reprising his role as Creepsy in the upcoming 
Ezra Miller led Flash, uh, The Flash, saying that, I mean, you know, to tell you the truth, somewhere on my iPod, iPad is an iteration of the whole Flash thing that I haven't had time yet, he admits. I called them and said, I have to be honest with you, I can't look at anything right now. I'm so deep into this thing I'm doing. Also, I'm prepping a thing that I'm um, prepping a thing I'm producing and getting ready to go uh, do down the road in the fall that I will be in, and I feel responsible to that. So yeah, there is that. I'm not being cute or coy. If I talk about it, I'll be just bullshitting with you. I be, I really don't know. I have to look at the last draft. He also hints that he might not be involved due to COVID, saying that I keep my eye more on the COVID situation in the UK. Context of film is set to shoot in the UK than anything. This will determine everything. And so that's why I'm living outside the city here on 17 acres, staying away from everybody because this COVID thing has got me really concerned. So that's my first thing about all projects. I look at it and go, is this thing going to kill me? Literally. And you know, if it doesn't, then we talk. So what are your thoughts on all that? And just That's a lot. Yeah, that was a lot. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I like the Santana news. That's really exciting um, to see her in live action because I don't think she's ever had a live action portrayal before. I could be wrong, um, but that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, I like Helen Mirren coming in for Shazam. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. That's going to be really, really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Pierce Brosnan as Dr. Fate is awesome. Um, that's going to be really cool to see how that uh, mm-hmm. turns out. I'm excited for that. And um, and then the Batgirl and Deathstroke, Deathstroke or yeah. Deathstroke, yeah, um, stuff is interesting. I would have loved to see have seen um, Batgirl pop up because mm-hmm. um, I think that would have been really cool. And we saw a little bit of Deathstroke, and that was he he was gonna be cool. So and then the Flash news makes a lot of sense. I mean, like glad that they recasted the dad and stuff, and that's. Uh, mm-hmm. And that it makes sense. Um, and like that was going to happen with COVID con- scheduling conflicts and stuff are going to pop up. So, mm-hmm. um, and then the Mike Michael Keaton stuff we'll just have to see what happens, I guess. But yeah, if he's going to be busy, then maybe the maybe he won't be able to pop in. But we'll just have yeah. to see. Yeah. So um, Zatanna's. I mean, that's super exciting. I'm excited to see that. Um, but a lot of these are really like good news, like Helen Mirren. Um, that's awesome. Pierce Brosnan. <laughs> yes. awesome. Um, mm-hmm. Like I love that so many higher like A-list actors or, or well-known actors are getting involved with um, like superhero stuff. I just think that's like super cool. And I think it's something that's been trending for a little while now. And, you know, it's weird that we never got the Batman. I don't know if I'm like super disappointed that we didn't, but Deathstroke is a character that I've always, you know, found uh, pretty cool. So it would have been awesome to see Batgirl and him and, you know, all that. But, uh, you know, what are you going to do? Mm-hmm. Also, um, yeah, it's weird that, I mean, I understand Billy Credit, but he has, you know, obligations. It's kind of a bummer whenever they have to replace a character. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I like that actor a lot, but Ron Livingston's cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Michael Keaton, I think that response is, is honestly um, very interesting. I love Michael Keaton. So it, it's actually funny that he takes such a long, like, description to explain uh, why. But it would be really cool if he was in that movie. If he's not, I get it, but uh, I'm always happy to see him if he if he can make it and if it's safe. And I'm glad to hear that he's being safe. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I for me, um, first off, um, Emerald Fen. When I heard friend news about Emerald Fenning doing, I'm like, especially after seeing Promising Young Woman, which um, Christy, I I know you've seen it. 
Jamie, I I, I know I've been Not pushing. Yet. Okay. All right. Um, I, the... I told you I have to find time to watch it. I know. No, I fun know. time. I know, I know, I know, I know. But when you do get to see it. I will me. tell you when I watch it, I promise. Yeah, I just um, don't sleep, so I have time to do all these things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I just, um, I don't know if she's going to be directing or not. I, I hope she directs. So I, I imagine that probably. I like, thought that's what they, maybe it was just writing, but I thought they mentioned directing. I don't know. But yeah, it's but, all very early, so. Yeah, it, it's it's very early, but. Yeah, no, I'm um, any at this point, especially after watching Homesing Woman, I'll, I'll watch anything with Emerald Finning, em, Emerald Finning uh, writing directing. So, yeah, there's that. Um, especially for Santana, that, that's gonna be interesting. Mm-hmm. Hell, we, we got Dame Helen Mirren in a DC movie. Yes, yes, I, I want this. I, 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 <sighs> okay, I just Dame, just uh, and I also just call her Dame Helen Mirren, like as I call like Dame Judy Dench. Because mm-hmm. um, you know they're 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 royalty in my opinion. It's the proper way. Yeah, mm-hmm. how you do it. Yeah, and also Pierce Bronson. I think this is the first thing I've seen Pierce Bronson. It's been a while since I've seen Pierce Bronson like in literally anything. He's been doing some stuff, just not really great stuff. Mm. <laughs> Occasional movie here and there. Yeah, but yeah, no this this is actually an interesting choice. But yeah, um, as for the um Batgirl and Deathstroke stuff, it would have been interesting. And this is honestly. Okay, I'm kind of going to go on a spiel here. And there's certain fans that are probably going to be like, ah, what the hell? And just like other others, I think are going to be a bit more enchanting. So there's this whole movement going around ever since the Snyder Cut came out of like restoring the Snyder first. And firstly, for me, I've moved on from that era. And like, I'm more into like James Gunn's Suicide Squad or Matt Roos's Batman or I don't know, Shazam and like Birds of Prey. I don't know. I'm more into that stuff than like, I don't know, reviving anything from like the Snyder from the Snyderverse movies, but this would have been one of the projects I would have been curious about, especially given that you know we Ben Affleck was supposed to write and direct this, but he backed out and stuff. And mm-hmm. it would have been interesting seeing Deathstroke be the villain. And then also, I just I don't know. Part of me does feel bad for Magnello because he was probably promised this stuff, this stuff. And then also, I think this probably would have led into the proposed Batgirl movie that I think we were supposed to get. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, so there's that. Um, as okay, full confession time. I get Ron Livingston and Bill and Billy Crudup confused all the time. Because interesting. Because if you look like photos like back to back, they kind of look similar. But I don't know. I don't. I don't know why I do. It's just it's it's interesting. And I've seen like him. And I'm okay. I think it's because I've seen Livingston. Like the only really big thing, at least off the top of my head, that I've seen him in is Office Space. Whereas Billy Crudup, I literally, um, I mean, I've I've seen him in Almost Famous, and I've also seen him in Watch in 2009 Watchmen. So, uh, it's it's interesting, and he does look a bit like Ezra if we if we kind of compare it to the two photos, but. Yeah, no, it, it, it's still a little bit of a shame, especially after like watching um, Billy Crudup like his scene in the Snyder Cut again. Like, I, I really would, I really would like to keep him on, but you know, scheduling conflicts, you know, especially because of COVID, just you know, that happens. And speaking of which, um, if Keaton does not come back, let, let let's let's put a hypothetical. Then do we just get one Batman? Like we only get um the Matt um not Matt Reese but the um what's his face um the Affleck Batman because I know Affleck Batman's coming back, but what does this what does this do? I'm I'm really curious. I don't know. The, maybe they'll figure something out 
if he doesn't pop in, they might put somebody else there, or maybe they'll um, redo like Affleck's Batman and like change him up if it's going into the multiverse, which I think a lot of people are thinking that's what's happening. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. They'll figure something out. And you may still come back like another yeah. like another time. I'd love to see it. Um, mm-hmm. I love him and Burton's Batman's. I mean, he's well, not my favorite Batman, but I I love him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I, I love Keaton just in general. Like, I really like him as an actor. Anyways, so now we move on to our recommendations, and now we talk about the Falcon and the Winter Soldier episode, season one, episode two. And I'm just yeah, <sighs> y'all ready for this? Oh, and also mm-hmm. spoilers. Yes, yeah, spoiler yes. warning. If you haven't seen the new episode, go watch the new episode, then come back yeah. and stuff like that. Right. And also warning, you're going to be sad because Bucky makes you sad in this first season. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Poor Bucky. Yeah, I know. Bucky. Um, we start the episode off with Wyatt's uh, Russell's character, John Walker, in a locker room before a celebration. He talks to two people, so his part, his um, military buddy, uh, Lamar Hopkins, and his wife, um, and his wife, before he goes out, out, um, and talks about being the new cap. Then, we, oh, goes out, yeah, goes out being the new cap. Then when we get the Marvel Studios logo over, over marching band music, turns out the celebration is an interview with Good Morning America. Nice product, product placement, Disney. <laughs> As the interview is going on, Bucky is watching too, and I'm just thinking that that hurt. I know <laughs> Bucky's face watching, watching it. I was like, oh no. Yeah. I was like, yeah. just turn off the TV, Bucky. It's okay. Just turn it off. Yes. <laughs> he confronts Sam about this. And Sam, as Sam is about to fly out to Munich to follow up on Danny's leads about the Flag Smashers, he winds up coming with Sam on the mission. Uh, they find the Flag Smashers holding someone hostage and smuggling weapons. Uh, Bucky gets on one of the trucks and finds Carly, played by Empress Ness herself, Aaron Kellyman. Only for her to beat up Bucky and break Red Wing. Um, Sam fly, flies flies and fights Carly. During the fight, um, Walker and his partner Bowser join the fight. Um, that's also Lamar, um, the character Lamar Hopkins' codename. Uh, but Bucky falls down the truck, forcing him to fly in and swoop him up. Bowser falls off the truck, forcing Walker to use his shield to save him. However, as he's doing that, Carly kicks him off the truck, letting them escape. As Sam and Bucky are walking back, John and Lamar pick them up. Also, apparently Red Wing is government property. I thought that was created by Stark, but I, I guess that's not the case. I don't know. I don't know. Things change too, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, bye-bye Stark. And now there's, <laughs> that seems kind of mean to say it that way because it's really <laughs> devastating when we lost him. But um, I think everything kind of changed too, like the Accords. And then, I mean, I don't know. It's what's going on there but poor red wing yeah john uh john tries to convince sam and bucky to join forces with their organization the grc but fails uh but pretty much fails to convince them meanwhile carly and her gang are given refuge by a german couple during the flight home sam tells bucky that he should meet someone and this is where we meet isaiah bradley who (sighs) all right i gotta get real with y'all who in addition to providing um, much interesting social commentary, as well as connecting with the com- comics and stuff about, you know, um, just how he was treated, how he was treated during his time in the military, his time in the military, the fact that he was also a super soldier as well, and just uh, that all that stuff is just that was deep, like that mm-hmm. that that hits that that hits him a little bit, but yeah, no, and also like his like the person that uh, like opens the door. I have a feeling that's supposed to be Eli, who is like another Captain America, like he's Patriot. Oh, and so okay. it kind of sets up young young Avengers. And I have a feeling that we are continuing to set that up. 
And then, like, right after this, he, Sam and Bucky get approached by the cops, despite only talking with Bucky. And that whole thing was just, oh, God, just. It was, I, when that happened, I'm like, oh, no. I was like, I was waiting for it. I was like, this is not going to go well. Yeah, just, oh, God damn it. Just this freaking show. Uh, and, uh, however, Bucky is. Howard Bucky is arrested for missing therapy and gets bailed out by John Walker. Uh, the two have an improv session with uh, Bucky's therapist where Bucky asks why he gave up the shield. Um, this is the funniest scene. It's the therapy scene. Mm-hmm. It's it very, very funny. Yeah, it's that dynamic I think everyone's been kind of itching for because <laughs> mm-hmm. they can be pretty funny together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Afterwards, the two are confronted by John who tells him to stay out of his way. We then see one of the members of the Flag Smashers sacrifice himself to save the group from, I guess, the Power Broker, which, if I'm not mistaken, I think that's a Spider-Man villain, but I'm not 100% sure. Um, the episode ends with Bucky deciding to go see Zemo. So, I this show. It was a good episode. Mm-hmm. Um, I, it, it's very hard watching Sam and Bucky kind of deal with, like, mm-hmm. uh, Cap leaving and Steve leaving and, like, all that baggage mm-hmm. that they both have and um john walker was not who i it he wasn't i didn't know how he was like wh- what kind of character he was going to be mm-hmm. but it was very he was very interesting i don't yeah. know it was kind of weird i did not expect his character to be kind of like how he was yeah i was expecting him to be a bit more like i i guess a, i guess a good comparison would be homelander from um, the boys for those I've seen for those of you guys have seen it mm-hmm. like it's I'm thinking more like that but then also like I I honestly don't know which direction mm-hmm. they're going with that character but it was really interesting because we did kind of see like that shades of gray but also like he is definitely the villain and stuff so mm-hmm. at least as of right now so yeah yeah um Christy your thoughts yeah I thought it was a great episode especially following the first one which was more you know kind of about them kind of the you know, after losing Captain America and just their lives in general. I mean, and I just want to touch on this because I like talking about it, but um, the first episode is so good because it really like kind of puts, puts us behind the veil of some things. Like they uh-huh. talk about like, do Avengers get paid? Uh-huh. Um, and like, we, sh- we, you know, see Sam's family and where he's from. And I love that. Mm-hmm. I, uh-huh. you know, they really bring a lot more, um, not just personality here, but backstory. And they just, it's kind of like WandaVision where they just give these characters that didn't get a lot of screen time, Bucky more um, Mm -hmm. opportunity to really know who they are. And then also with Bucky with the, you know, what he's dealing with PTSD. He hasn't, you know, he goes on a date. There's just all this awkwardness and it's just so sad. And so this one was like more, I want to say upbeat, even though there's still some very dark, deep themes that they follow, which I love, Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, you know, especially like with, you know, racism and stuff like that. But I think uh, this one went, was a little bit more fun because we got to have them together again to see mm-hmm. how they're going to act. There's some great action sequences that were a lot of fun. It's so weird that Kurt Russell's son is Captain America and clearly <laughs> he's just, he's the, by the end of this episode, you know, they're like, they're going to all butt heads, which is, which is going to mm-hmm. be an interesting uh, <laughs> trajectory. Uh-huh. And also Zemo. I mean, like I, I, ever since I saw his name on his amends list, which I'm curious about why he has that. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you noticed in the first episode. Yeah, I noticed that as well. But I'm just really curious to see what he's got to say about things. So, and hopefully he doesn't like pull an old uh, move on him where he somehow t- 
turns him into Winter Soldier again. Yeah. Uh, mm. In a negative way. But, but, yeah. 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 Yeah, no, I it's definitely gonna be I, I'm definitely really excited for next episode just to see Zemo interact with Sam and Bucky and I'm just I'm just yeah. like, yes, yeah, it's just just God, I'm so excited, but yeah. And no, as I know, this is only going to be six episodes, right? Like this is yeah, a limited this is series. this is only well, this is only going to be six episodes, and I'm just like, y'all are doing a great job with this. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah, and then Loki, but that's another thing. <laughs> <laughs> All right, um, for Jamie and I, moving on, we want um, our quick thoughts on Flash season seven episode four. So overall, I thought this was a good episode, though I kind of want to know who sent that monster at the end. And just that was surprising. I had no idea what like that the monster thing popping up at the end. I was like, what the heck? Um, I did not ex- um expect that at all. Also, shout out to um David Dash uh Dashman. He's killing it between his role as like polka dot man in the suicide squad squad and like here as Abracadabra, he's just killing it, and I really do enjoy that. Yeah, but, he was good. Yeah. Also, I really feel bad for everyone because everyone's kind of dealing with some form of grief because of like what happened last season, mm-hmm. or yeah, last season. Yeah, the, it was. I would like, yeah, everybody is kind of dealing with a whole bunch of crap that they needed to talk to. I'm glad that Iris ended up going to that group mm-hmm. and like talking about it. I mean, like she was in there for three months in her time, but for us, it was like so long. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad they like acknowledge that because sometimes they don't do that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. Also, I I kind of dug the R and B song like at the end. You gotta mm-hmm. be tough. You gotta be strong. You gotta be wiser. Sorry, I sorry. It's just my parents listen to a lot of R and B, so like that was a song I kept hearing over and over and over again. Yeah. No, it was good. It was good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also, so. Guess who went back to the movies yesterday and saw nobody? This guy. How was it? Uh, for the most part, I, I really enjoyed it. Bob Onekirk was great as the lead. I never even saw Goodman can be a badass. In addition, <laughs> I do like the direction provided by uh, the dire- uh, director of, um, by a director, uh, India Nashler, who also did uh, Hardcore Henry. I thought it was pretty solid and there were some nearly gnarly action sequences. Um, my only... My only one complaint is that it does feel a bit like John Wick, and this is, again, coming from the same screenwriter as that, so obviously mm-hmm. there's some transfer, but yeah, other than that, though, um, I, thought it, I thought it was really, I thought it was really good, I really enjoyed it, and I actually give it a solid recommendation. Cool. So, yeah. Anyway, moving on, uh, we got the first three episodes, um, so, um, so, Amazon's Invincible just dropped the first three episodes, and I winded up watching it and I love this show already, uh, mm-hmm. especially as a fan of the comic. Uh, the voice cast, which is insane, um, and animation are incredible. Hell, there's even people that I didn't even know that were going to be on this show that are on. Also, I thought it was going to be a sober, especially given like what happened to the end of episode one um, with the twist. But that that end of the episode proved me wrong. Mm-hmm. And just, you know, I just... I yeah, yeah it's no. fantastic yeah no I I really speaking I really of a stacked cast mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> insane I only got to see half of the first episode I haven't had time to watch all of it yet mm-hmm. um, but I really liked what I've seen so far it's really good yeah no I just they're they're killing it and actually speaking of Rogan 
he's not only like playing um Alan the Alien on this, but he's also like developing a live action version of this. That's going to be interesting. Yeah, Which I'd is... love a live action version. That'd be really cool. Yeah, mm-hmm. I. Yeah, but either way, like this animation and just this version, like, is really good. And like Kirkman, I think knock out Kirkman and company really knock out of the park. So, so yeah, no, I'm I'm all in at this point. Um, but yeah, yeah, go check it out. It's definitely mm-hmm. worth it. Oh yeah, no, I highly recommend it. Anyways, moving on to our interview portion of the episode, Jamie, would you like to start with your questions? Sure. Okay. So my first question is, where did your love for film come from? And you can go into whatever you want, how how deep or how complicated you want to get into it. I don't know. Okay. Um, Well, my love for film is definitely runs deep. Um, Yeah. So I watched, I mean, I've just watched so many movies in my life, but ever since I was a kid watching probably some movies too young, like it at five or um, like the Godfather when I'm six and stuff like that. But, you know, Ever since I was a kid, I watched these movies and I just fell in love. I think the idea of being able to kind of transport to these different worlds and experience these different stories and point of views is just something, you know, it's just the beauty of of, uh, cinema. And so, yeah, I think from my early age, just watching a lot over and over and over again on my VHS tapes and just, um, yeah, I'm old. And just loving it. I mean, I, I think that over the course of my life, it's just grown and grown and grown but there's just something really amazing and kind of eternal, I guess you could say about film, uh, which mm-hmm. is just so cool. So very cool. Um, next question. Um, and do you have any advice to people who want to go into the career you're doing? So like being like running a website, doing these kinds of like stuff, do you have any advice? Yeah, absolutely. So for me to get to where I am being a critic, um, you know, a journalist, editor-in-chief, it's something that took a really long time, a lot of work. So, I mean, I mm-hmm. think that a big part of it is just, you know, it can be difficult at times, especially now with so many writers and so many blogs and and everything. But if you really just put in the work and you just keep at it, I think you will eventually get to where you want to go. So I think hard work is a big part of it, but I also think passion is as well. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I talk to people about movies and well, like, just the enthusiasm and excitement talking about things that you love. Um, that kind of passion is something that's going to drive you. And if, if you have a love and passion for what you're doing, I think you're going to succeed. It might take longer, but you're going to get there. And I think that a mix of passion and drive is, is really the reason that I have the job I have now. Okay. And for my second question, and do you have any advice to people who want to go into the career you are in? Yeah. So I think the advice that I would give um, is really just to put in the work for me, you know, I started writing from a very young age and it was something that I worked on a lot. I had a blog that wasn't very good. I just, I tried to scratch that out of my memory. And then <laughs> I applied to write for other sites and I got more bylines, different places. And that experience that that's also something I recommend to just writing, write, 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 like as much as you can, because you're going to get better at it. Also, your stuff's going to get seen more, but having that like hard work ethic, I think is, is immensely important. And that's how I ended up becoming editor-in-chief and, you know, being more involved in film journalism. And also, I think just it's important to have a drive and passion for what you do. If, if you love film, if you love writing, 
you, I think you're eventually going to be successful if you just have that drive to, to kind of make your dream come true. And it's not an easy industry by any means to be a writer, especially with everybody having their own blogs or letterbox or, or things like that, you know, having those avenues to, to kind of get your work out there, which is great. But um, as far as actually making a career of it, it can be challenging. So it's just really kind of keep at it, keep at the hard work and it will eventually pay off. And if you mm-hmm. love it, I think, um, you know, it's just no matter what you do, if you're able to be a journalist and, and get your reviews out there and, and stuff, you're going to feel fulfilled. So, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Great answer. Um, so now to my questions, um, when it comes to reviewing movies or, t- or television, do you have a certain expectation for the thing you were about to see, or is it more like a free flow process in terms of just reviewing stuff in general? You know, I try not to have expectations, but sometimes it's just, it's hard not to if it's a movie that you really, or show that you're really excited about. Like a great example of that is a recent uh, adaptation of The Stand on CBS um, by mm-hmm. Stephen King, who's like a hero of mine. I And it's like one of my favorite novels. It's mm-hmm. hard to not have some level of expectation there. Like I can try to say like, I'm told, no, I'm good, you know, but y- you do, um, which just means that it's going to hurt more if it's uh, disappointing. And you set yourself up for that. But I think primarily I try to go into critiquing in a way that I, I don't have expectation because I think that even as a just a lover of, of uh, content you know movies and tv and you know, just different mediums I think that if you do that you're always kind of setting yourself up for disappointment and also I think it's just risky to have um, expectations on things because mm-hmm. also you end up being surprised if you don't like really go in there with an expectation and then a movie exceeds it or a show exceeds it like for example you know um, the show we were just talking about with Marvel, I mean, that um, Falcon Winter Soldier, I, I didn't have expectations. And so then when I watched it, I was actually kind of blown away by some aspects of it. It made it even more enjoyable. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that, you definitely raised up a good point, especially, as, you know, given that we do review stuff on here sometimes. It's like, it's hard to kind of keep those expectations out. But, you know, when mm-hmm. you do have no expectations, you can kind of enjoy it a little bit more. But yeah. Well, you hold certain things to a standard too. Like if it's like a favorite director of yours and they're coming out with a movie, it's like, you really don't want to, but you can't help that little part of your brain. That's just like, please be good. Please be good. I want this to be good so much because I love your work. So yeah, if you can shut that voice up, it's good, but you can't always. Yeah. Anyways, onto my next question. How do you balance watching something for fun versus having to be critical about it? Are you able to kind of switch that part of your brain off? So like, for example, like when you're just watching something, is your like critic brain still on or is it like just you turn that off like when you're just watching something like casual or something? You know, it's interesting because someone just asked me this question recently and there's definitely a thing called critic's brain. That, that's like totally true. Um, and, you know, it's, it's interesting because I, I think that I can just watch something without critiquing it. But at the same time, I find that I end up, you know, doing it anyway. But for the mm-hmm. most part, like, there's been times where I purposely will not review a movie that I'm really excited about because I want to go in there and I don't want to be thinking about every little detail and how I'm going to describe this in a review. And then, you know, who knows, maybe I'll watch something I wasn't going to review and then I want to because I, I loved it and there's just, or I just had such an opinion on it. Um, but I think I can separate the two to, to an extent, but there's always going to be kind of like that other voice. There's going to be a little part of my brain that's critiquing everything. Um, and, and especially you know, like recently, like the best example recently, it's not recently at all, but um, like I was a big fan of, you know, Marvel. So when I saw The Last Avengers, I could have reviewed that. And I was like, no, no, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. I'm just going in, like trying to just wash that part off, like just go in there completely um, enjoying it as a, you know, geeking out as a fan. 
and so yeah 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 and finally and on to my last question what is your as a horror fiend what is your favorite horror character it could be a villain hero supporting character etc and why you know, I'm, uh, if anyone knows me, I'm not great at picking one thing. So I, I promise I won't like draw on forever, but I have to say like, okay. So from a standpoint, just because of this is also um, based in a book as well as a film, it Pennywise, I think is just one of the best um, villains primarily because it's just, it's such an interesting concept that it, it basically is what you fear. I mean, like the possibilities narratively as, as to where that can go is just so fun and cool. And I love that. Um, but I'm also a huge, you know, Hannibal Lecter. I, I love Silence of the Lambs. I think he's a terrific villain. I think he's wonderfully played. Um, mm -hmm. Trying not to like talk too much. Also, you know, just to give a little like um, creature feature out there, like the Xenomorphs, like Alien, I think are just so badass. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, so so those are a few of my favorites because I can't say one. I just love horror. You know, I mean, it's just, you know, it's yeah. such an interesting genre that has so many places it can go and, and so many different things it can explore. So that's mm -hmm. why I love it. Yeah, no, I mean, I, yeah, I, I definitely get you. And also when you were kind of mentioning the thing about Pennywise and stuff, I, I agree with you because that has so many avenues. I was also just thinking like Freddy Krueger also kind of has that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well. And me and Freddie go way back. And I watched Freddie. I watched the first Nightmare on Elm Street. I was watching Johnny Depp sink into the bed when I was like, I don't even know, six. I remember <laughs> because um, and it's funny because like my parents are not huge movie people, but they introduced me to so many of like the classic movies that I loved growing up. And he would watch he would put these horror movies on when I was a little kid. And my brother, who's four years older, would be terrified, like shaking in the other room. And I'd just be like, more, more, more. <laughs> and I I think that's probably why I'm such a weirdo. But <laughs> well, that'll do it for us. Thank you again, Chrissy, for coming on. I mean on this episode, we really do did enjoy having you on. Yeah, yeah, thank, thank you, you so much for coming. Yeah, it was my pleasure. It was fun. Yeah. So anyways, Jamie closes out. Yep. Okay, so um, for our social media pages, we're on um, we're on most social media platforms. We're on Twitter at Combo with Two Geeks. We're on Facebook and Instagram at Conversation with Two Geeks. And also, if you feel like emailing us about anything from this episode or our previous episodes, we're at Conversation with Two Geeks at gmail.com. We have a link in our show notes to all this. Well, take care, everyone. We'll see you next time, and have a lovely weekend, everyone. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.